right now if you were to go downstairs because our podcast studio is upstairs in our house if you were to go downstairs into our freezer there are boxes of love good fat bars Mm. I almost brought the box up with this. Did you? I did. Just I so you just could look at it. it. So good. <laughs> Lemon We're mousse done. is our new favorite flavor. Mm-hmm. And how many boxes did you buy like a week ago? We went through them pretty quick. Okay. They're good sized boxes, but they're delicious. We definitely killed it. Mm. If you go to lovegoodfats.com, you can find all their flavors, everything that they offer. They have not just these healthy, amazing bars that we love, but they also offer protein powders. They have um, kind of like granola bars in a sense, but they've got healthy fats in them. Just an endless list of products that we absolutely love and we can't get enough of. Mint chocolate chip, peanut butter chocolatey bars. Are they called chewy nutty bars? Chewy nutty bars. Um, they're just- you get the chewy nutty bars? Amazing, amazing, My- amazing, delicious snack bars that if you put in the freezer is just the absolute perfect treat. It is. It is. If you like lemon bars at all, I can't get over, what are they, the lemon meringue bars? Lemon mousse? Lemon mousse bars. I cannot get over the lemon mousse bars. The chocolatey almond was my favorite. I liked the coconut too. Mm -hmm. The mint was good too. Okay, I like them all. But there's (laughs) something about those lemon mousse bars that I'm salivating now. I think we need to end this so I can go get a lemon mousse bar. The perfect combination of nutrients and indulgence. They're ridiculously delicious. And go to lovegoodfats.com right now. Keto friendly. Keto friendly. Buy whatever you want. Non GMO. <laughs> At checkout, enter Energy is Love and you will save 20% on your order. Go do it now. So, this episode, Steph, what'd you think? What did I think? I think you need to hand me your, your white cloth so I can take a drink. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for really doing it. I You're wasn't welcome. kidding. <laughs> One of the things that we've been wanting to do on the show is uh, discuss the Mormon church, discuss our stories with the Mormon church. It all stems from a recent podcast that I found called the Mormon Stories Podcast, which is not a recent podcast. It's been around for over a decade, um, but it's fascinating. And this episode, we finally got around to discussing a little bit about our experience with the church and our stories in regards to being Mormon in the past, right? A glimpse, a yeah. scratch of the surface of barely, our stories. Barely scratched the so surface. There is so much to say. There is a lot to say. We also, in the beginning of the episode, we talk about the current state of the fucking country and police murdering people and mass shootings and all of that terrible stuff. So it's frustrating, but there's a little bit of everything in this episode. And by everything, I mean, like, we basically talked about those two topics. So that's not everything. Three topics. Three topics. Three what, topics. what was the third? Unnecessary killings by police officers, mass shootings, Mormons. There you go. That's our Netflix documentary. Boom. Enjoy this episode, folks. You're listening to the Energy is Love podcast. I have a quick, uh, relatively quick question for you. By the way... Uh, Are you not just in awe with me right now? I am in so in awe with you. Okay, what's your question? The people uh, that are listening missed out on... We just recorded before we recorded or before we pushed record on this. We just recorded the um, intro for one of the uh, recent episodes. And it was a ginormous shit show of 
epic, did our best. Epic proportion. I, I, You're going to have a little bit of editing. I'll have a lot of editing. <laughs> and the majority of it was like, start a sentence and, and, and stop. <laughs> and I don't know what to say next. Um, that's funny when that happens. Mm-hmm. Oh, excuse me. It's because I was nervous. Yeah. But that's okay. You said you had a question. Um, you forgot your question. I did. Okay. <laughs> it was like for, question for you real quick. Yeah, yeah. Real quick question for you. It was quick. It how, was so quick. I don't even know if it happened. How are you? That wasn't your question. Are you doing good today? I feel like I didn't come prepared with enough drinks. Mm-hmm. Dip types of drinks. You've got three right now. Three separate. Yes. Types of drinks. Mm-hmm. I'm missing some like hot cocoa or yeah. chocolate milk. So this episode, uh, <laughs> I'm missing some hot cocoa. I feel like that would balance it out. Milk. I've got water, beer, tea, and now I think chocolate <laughs> milk might just bring it home. You need some cacao. So that would be good. That would actually be good. When's the next full moon? I think it's the 28th of uh, April. Uh-huh. Are you going to do a ceremony? Well, I've been trying to do one since February and it hasn't really been working out. So yeah. we'll see. Maybe you should. Maybe I should. Yeah. That'd be fun. It would be fun. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. Okay. Thanks for tuning in. We're done. <laughs> uh, and keep rolling, rolling, cut. No. It'd be so funny if it shut off right there. Oh my God. I'd be so pissed. <laughs> So we have a couple of things that we're going to talk about today Are we? and we'll just roll into it rather okay. than sit and pretend like we don't know what we're going to talk about. Cause we actually have a plan this time. We came with a plan. We're a couple with a plan. I was, I was trying to think, how do I, we're a man and a woman with, with a, a plan. plan. <laughs> hey man, do you have a plan? Any binaries welcome. <laughs> um, My tea is cold. That's the name of the episode. My tea is cold. <laughs> no, recently I found, I came across, and it's, I don't even know why it took me so long to find this, but it's probably because it doesn't interest me at all initially, right? But I came across this podcast. It's called the Mormon Stories Podcast. And if you're here in the state of Utah, you're very familiar with Mormons to some extent, right? Some greater than, less than. Um, if you're not familiar with the Mormon church in regards to like the world, go Google it. So if you've never heard of that religion before, I found out recently on the Mormon stories podcast, cause, um, it was a big story locally in the news where they talked about how the church, meaning the LDS church, which is Latter-day Saints, they go by a bunch of different names. It's very confusing. Um, have $130 billion dollars. In the bank, which makes them the richest religion in the world. Did you know that? I am actually surprised because, like, I figured the Catholics would still nope have it. Mormons got them, hundred thirty billion dollars in the bank. Damn, and they can just leave that money there and make seven percent interest essentially off of that investment. And will continue to accrue money regardless of whether or not they bring in any more. So they will just continue to grow financially and become a huge financial giant. They're in like the top potentially 100, uh, you know, the Fortune 500. Not personally, but I've heard of it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyways, getting sidetracked. Mormon Stories podcast. It's a great podcast. 
if you're interested in anything in relation to the Mormon church and um, the whole idea, I think, behind the podcast, the host of it, his name is John DeLynn, started it after he, and it's been around for like 10 or 12 years, which is like, I don't know how. Is it really? Oh yeah, it's old. Holy cow. Yeah, it's very old. It's been around for a long time. I've only like this last year, recently, yeah. the last few months, I feel like heard of it. Well, I've same thing. How is that possible? It's because we're not super into the Mormon church so at we, all. So we. Right? So it's not like it was something that was on our radar. Mm-hmm. But the idea behind the Mormon Stories podcast is um, not just Mormons, but also ex-Mormons and people that have left the church come on and share their story, right? Some people that he has on the show are still members of the church and some people aren't. So he has so many episodes, I mean, like 1600 or something like that, that they're at now. And it's everybody's story about their experience with the church in one way, shape or form. And he's got a bunch of other topics that they discuss and cover over the course of time and things like that. Like I said, it's been around forever and a day, but I've been binging it lately because I find it so incredibly fascinating given, you know, having been born and raised in this state. Did you listen to the one with Natasha? Helfer? 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 I think it's Helfer. Helfer? Yeah, I did. I I listened to a portion of it. Not all of it, um, but a portion of it. So we're going to talk. One of the things that I want to do on the podcast in the future is hopefully get some fucking Mormons to come on and talk about their, um, you know, basically a modified version of the Mormon Stories podcast in some way, shape or form, just because I find it such a fascinating topic. Um, And I think that's a large part due to my uh, experience with the church, my relationship with the religion. Yeah. So it's something that uh, intrigues me. But rather than sit around and wait for somebody willing to come on the podcast and talk about whether or not they left the church or uh, how their beliefs have changed over the years or whatever the case may be, I thought it would be fun if you and I told our Mormon stories. Yeah. Because you and I both have a history with the church and with the religion as well. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things that we're going to talk about on the podcast. It's that That's the majority of what we're going to talk about on the podcast today. Okay. But I do want to... I do want to breathe. I'm not breathing. Yeah. Holding my breath. Um, I'm very anxious. Mm-hmm. How are you? I'm a little sleepy. <laughs> Steph's going to take a nap this take episode. take a nap. You're not going to breathe. We'll get through it. Yeah. There's been a lot of gun violence in the country, mm-hmm. in the United States lately. Not rare, right? Pretty regular. Seemed like we got a slight reprieve during 2020 and didn't have a lot of mass shootings. And They're Starting back up. Starting back up. So recently there's been quite a few mass shootings that have taken place um, throughout the country. And then, as usual, police are killing people uh, on a really regular basis and murdering people. So all of those debates have started back up again on top of the fact that they are, you know, right in the midst of... Keep in mind, by the time this episode comes out, the trial may be done. I don't believe it will be, but uh, they're right in the midst of the um, George Floyd trial as well. So there's just a lot that's going on in the country and also a lot that is being talked about, as always, when police officers murder um, black people, when they, there's just, it's the same fucking story over and over and over and over and over again. (sighs) And I thought about 
we were going to do like a whole episode talking about all of this stuff again. And I don't want to right now. We might in the future, we might get into it, um, down the road. There's a guy that I want to have come on uh, Instagram and do one of our Insta lives with us. Who? He's, um, former LA police officer. Okay. He was a police officer in LA for his whole career. He retired and now he's a Wim Hof instructor and a uh, super cool guy. I don't remember his name, Eric. Gosh dang it, I don't remember his last name. I can only think of his username on Instagram. And yeah. that's totally not his last name. Um, but he was on Robert Sturman's podcast way back in the day. Yeah. He's the cop that um, did that yoga pose. Do you remember? Oh, yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Um, so we'll be talking about it in the future, of course. But like I was going to break down the latest or one of the latest cases with the um, woman that the police officer that shot. And I don't know his name. I don't remember his name. You can look it up, babe. Um, but shot this kid. I mean, he was what, 19, 21 years old or something like that. Um, instead of tasing him, she thought that she was using her taser and instead shot him and he died. Don't right? Yeah. And I was going to talk a lot about that. It was 20. It was 20. Because I watched the body cam footage. It's clear as day that she thought she was tasing him and instead she shot him. Um, I don't need to go into details about it. It's so sad and it's so infuriating. And the arguments that are being had right now, like this is my stance and then we'll just kind of move on. Unless, of course, you want to share yours as well. <laughs> Um, law enforcement is drastically, severely broken law enforcement as a whole, meaning the, um, what's the right word, the entity of the culture of the, what is the right word, babe? Help me out. I'm at a loss. Society, law enforcement. their whole infrastructure. Yeah. Like that's just, not what you want. I don't know what the right word is. Just well, law enforcement as a whole is broken. And from a very foundational level, it needs to be changed. And not just in small ways of changing up officers' tactics and training and how they approach situations and giving them better um, conflict resolution skills. And yes, all of those things are massively important. But it needs a complete overhaul from the ground up because the arguments are still the same on each side, right? It's like a portion of society is saying, hey, how about you guys just stop fucking killing people, including the majority of which are black people. And law enforcement said, hey, how about you guys just start up following our rules and doing what we tell you to? Yeah. And that's not fixing anything. It's not solving anything. We're still killing people. And by we, I mean police officers um, that don't need to die. So that's that, right? I don't think it's too hard of a situation. It's too hard of a problem to try to discuss in 14 seconds. And then gun violence and mass shootings. Um, I don't think guns are the problem. I think it is strictly a mental health issue. And I think that until we start really shifting and changing the way that we deal with mental health and looking at mental health in this country and dealing with it and addressing it 
and um, meeting it like head on, we're going to continue to have these problems with mass shootings. And yes, there does need to be new legislation about guns and gun rights and all this kind of stuff, but guns are not the problem. It's mental health. People that choose to go into a crowded area and murder a bunch of people are mentally ill and broken and need help. And they need that they needed that help, not at that moment, obviously, but you know, long before that moment in time. And to think that somehow we're gonna solve that problem with getting rid of guns or restricting guns more or, you know, militarizing our police more. I mean, there's not a solution I see with the exception of fucking get real serious about mental health and go from there. I'm just rambling, babe. You've started three different conversations. Yes. While I've just waited. (laughs) So I'm like, which, where do I start? (laughs) That's all the shit that I wanted to talk about on the podcast. And I'm like, I don't want to talk about it on the podcast. Okay. But yet at the same time, I'm like, fuck, I'm just so fed up with it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm so fed up with it. Uh It's ridiculous at this point. I have a bunch of friends that are still police officers and mm-hmm. I sit and watch them post the most fucking asinine retarded shit on social media mm-hmm. and their arguments are narrow-minded and ignorant. Systemic. Uh, yes, very systemic of not just the issues with law enforcement, but white supremacy, uh, misogyny. Um, the list just goes on and on and on on why they think that why they think the way that they think it's a conditioning too yeah there is a yeah keep going are you sure please please i'm trying to shut up and stop fucking talking so that you can talk for a minute i don't know where to start um like i said there's three things that you went over (laughs) and i'm like i want to talk this about this one oh i want to talk about this with this and i want to talk about this here um So you reverted back to the second one. Um, I think there is a lot of conditioning and a lot of it's that like hidden racism that is only hidden to white people, basically. Hidden to the racists. Mm -hmm. They think that, you know, this is the way it's brought up and they have their whole dynamics of how pictures are painted, which is completely false. And then the training they get, which reiterates those. So, How do you, because it's, it's like, it's a training thing. It's a training thing. It's a training thing. But there's also these cultural bias that are so ingrained. Like how do, how is it not so, how is it not known? How are they not breaking these when they hand you a badge and a gun and changing everything? How is it still? How is it still like they're repeating the same bad patterns and repeating everything so when you're having these people that you're close with still posting these things I don't know maybe it's just being hopeful but I like to think that there's a possibility that because you've seen it happen it's happened with us we have light bulbs that we allow to go off and be like this is not right it's time to do it different it's time to think differently and just you know as we said being willing to be curious and being willing to be wrong so when it's such a I think the wrong part is the first one that needs to happen. Like the ability to even entertain the idea that you're wrong, Mm -hmm. that you're just wrong. 
And that's really, really hard for police officers to even entertain that idea. They're still not doing it when people are getting murdered. Right. They're still not wrong. It's like, how how can that not? Yeah. Like, it's got to be like, there's something inside of you that hears that. There's no way. So why? You know, something Trevor Noah was saying and about our uh, good friend, Trevor. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The other night when we were hanging out with Trevor, we just call him TN for short, Trevor Noah. He he was talking about um, people are posting like where are the good apples. Yeah. And um, he went on to that because they're saying it's just bad apples. It's not. It's not the whole force. It's not all of this. It's there's bad apples. And then he clarified saying he doesn't believe that all like he's not saying all police are bad, all bad apples. But what he's talking about is like, where are the good apples? Where are the ones that are stopping the murders that are happening? Where are the ones? Because these officers, I, I think that one with that 13 year old boy was by himself. But most of them have other people there. With George Floyd, there was other people there with... Dante, there was other people there. So when you have this one that's out of hand doing this, why are they not speaking up in that situation? Why are they just kind of standing back and going with it, not knowing what to do? And then he was talking about that's how, like, that's the change that needs to be made. But that's how, I don't know what his words were. Oh, I don't want to mess this up. I'll just have to create my own because I can't quote them. I don't that's think it's all mine. <laughs> that's how deep the problem is in how institutionalized it is that they are too afraid to go up against the system because they know that that's going to take them out, that this, it is so powerful and in such control with such violence that even to speak out against that is going to take them out so they're they're too afraid to even be able to do the right things because of how wrong it is and then he said the system like isn't broken it's doing exactly what it was designed to do we need to change the system exactly yeah yeah i agree it's not broken right it's it's by by its nature and structure it is doing exactly what it's supposed to do that's really prey on poor people and who's who's poor in this country minorities black people people of color did you watch the same one yeah okay yeah what do you mean watch the same one we didn't watch it together you mean the daily show with trevor noah no he was hanging out and we had this conversation don't you remember the other night (laughs) i don't has he even left his apartment (laughs) (laughs) or penthouse whatever we were at his apartment we flew to new york to hang out he let us in through the plexiglass um like i wanted to go through and talk about that female officer and her career in law enforcement and how can somebody who has a 26 year old, not a 26 year old, how can somebody who can have a 20 plus year career in law enforcement be, um, a field training officer, meaning she's teaching new officers be in all of these different supervisory, uh, roles throughout her career. How can she still make the mistake of pulling her gun instead of her taser? And there's, that it's clear as day to me why she can still make that mistake. Why? Well, there's a endless list of reasons why she still makes that mistake, right? Training isn't a thing. They don't, they're not trained properly. Um, the level of stress that police officers are under and how that affects them and how disassociated they get from experiences and from interactions to the point where they're kind of checked out. 
So it makes perfect sense to me that she's been a police officer, an officer for 26 years, I think it is. And they're making a routine traffic stop and a routine arrest. And she's not really present and not really there. And then immediately um, is in a heightened state. And if you don't train and who's to say, well, of course, she's going to have experience and training. Probably not. Like that's the sad truth is probably not the level of training that police officers undergo. We all know is super lacking. Um, there's just a lot of different reasons why that thing can happen. Yeah. And we hate to think that, you know, that's something that a brand new officer does. Well, it's far more likely that, a a veteran officer is going to make a mistake like that than a brand new officer because of all the other issues at play. Um, the trauma that she's probably got going through her body from all the stuff that she's seen from all the stuff that she's inflicted. Yeah. And experienced, you know, I was going to go off on all of this stuff and I'm exhausted. I don't want to, it just sucks. And it's frustrating. And it's not a matter of like, Oh, we need to, the idea that law enforcement doesn't need to change and that it's just society that needs to change is so stupid. And that argument I don't think can be made anymore. And if you're making that argument still, then you really, really, really are an idiot. And then like the idea that guns are the problem, they're not. And just like I said, from the very, very foundation of law enforcement, it needs to change. Everything needs to be, and it's not even law enforcement, it's criminal justice system as a whole, right? Yeah. Courts, everything. We need to take everything back to the very beginning and rebuild it. Or police were created just to capture slaves. Right. That is the only reason we have that. So all of it needs to be changed. Otherwise, it's going to continue to happen exactly like the way that it's happening, right? Go ahead. That's what it's shown. Mm-hmm. That- you don't think guns the problem at all? Like, I agree with you. It's definitely a mental health. I think it's mental health. And like I- when it comes to the mass shooting stuff? Yes, but I guess you can use it Also however. police shootings, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think guns are a problem. It's not a matter of saying that they're not, right? No. This problem is not just one thing or one solution or one fix. But the way that everything gets... Um, polarized in the media and the way that it only becomes one or the other. Um, It's either gun rights or, I mean, it's either a gun issue or it's not, right? We're going to take your guns away or fuck you, you're never going to take my gun away. The whole argument about guns is pointless. What about the type of weapons? It's still a gun. It's still a gun, but I think that there can be I differ on this opinion with you on that. I think that I absolutely believe that mental health is an issue, but I think that guns are an issue. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that guns need to be taken away, but I do think it's ridiculous to have military type weapons in your next door neighbor's house in your house, in whoever's house on the block, like those kind of weapons that are designed for mass damage, mass killings, shouldn't be just something you got hanging out in your living room. Like, I think that 
a lot needs to be changed with guns. Yeah. But there is no, I can't see a reason to have a, an assault rifle just for fun. Like, it's just like, oh, that that's a killing machine. It is designed to kill rapidly. There was a post that I saw that upset me. It was showing a somebody's protesting sign against um, an AR-15. And it showed this massive hole. And it was like, this is the size of um, the bullet hole that this makes. Why does anybody need this? Mm-hmm. And the argument... And like the counter to that from the guns rights activists showed a smaller hole and said, this is false. This is the actual size of the hole. Get your information right. Like <laughs> a smaller hole. It's a hole in a body. Right. Like, yeah. why is that We're better? Arguing. It's it's a smaller hole. It's a hole in a body. It's a mm-hmm. hole in a child. It's a hole like, no, that's not an argument. The hole's not that big. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I agree with everything that you're saying. The part that infuriates me is the idea that we are wasting time on this gun issue when I feel like it's probably the fourth or the fifth or the sixth thing down the line that we should actually address. The bigger issue is mental health. The bigger issue is how on earth can a person go into some place and kill somebody? And how on earth is this something that continually happens in this country? I agree. Right? Let's set the whole gun argument aside for a minute. We're not taking any guns away. The Second Amendment is staying intact. We're not going to argue about what legislation needs to happen. We're just going to set that fucking down for now. Mm -hmm. And let's address the real issue, right? Let's go to some heart of actually what is going on. They always talk about trying to figure out the motive and how can these people do, usually men, right? Usually white men, how can they do these terrible, terrible things? Let's figure out that. I agree. Has nothing to do with access to a gun or an AR. Or I think the access definitely helps, but I believe you mental illness is the first priority. Yeah. And as a, as always, it's not what they're talking about. Yeah. It's not what's being shown. It's not what's being covered. It's not what's being discussed. Right. They're not uh, enacting laws or putting forth legislation to do dick about mental health in this country. It's illegal to be mentally ill. Illegal? Illegal. Hear me out. Okay. So you have somebody and it's like, please get help. Please get help. If you're experiencing this, please get help. But what happens if they go get help? (laughs) Right? Or if they show signs, they're arrested. They're put in jail for it. They're shunned. They're like labeled this like crazy chaotic villain. So they're like, oh, get help. There's help out there. But we're going to, just tear you to shreds for it. So it needs to, mental health can stop being illegal, even though it's not technically, but you are punished criminally for having mental issues, including just talking to somebody else. You scare other people if you're talking to somebody that they can't see. So there's so many different things with that, that I think. Yeah. But I just got nervous and lost my train of thought. Okay. (laughs) Uh, It's something that we could sit and go back and forth about. And I really want to try to bring somebody else on that we can have a conversation with about as well. Not necessarily opposing point of views because I'm not looking to fucking argue with people that are so staunchly in that space that police can do no wrong and the criminals need to change. And, you know, if they wouldn't resist and if they would just follow orders and like the one guy, um, the army officer or the lieutenant in the uh, military mm-hmm. who 
is driving, is getting pulled over, and proceeds to drive like slowly with his blinkers or his flashers on so that he can get to a well-lit area because he's a person of color and he knows that... In uniform. In uniform, and he knows that it's dangerous to be pulled over by police and he wants to make the situation as safe as possible. And then he eventually gets... I mean, he's, you know, that's another story that's just come up and. He lived, he got pepper sprayed. Yeah, pepper sprayed. He was, it was incredibly, incredibly. Yeah. And the argument that that's the officer's fault, right? What I mean is that like, because the argument in law enforcement is first off, he should have pulled over immediately, right? He should have complied with all commands. Right. And he didn't comply with commands. That's the argument in law enforcement. If he would have complied, then he would have been fine and nothing would have happened. Right. And then also, if they just slightly skew their point of view a little bit, then everything becomes that individual officer and his actions and what he did. Granted, his actions were terrible. Very. Right. He very well. I mean, he was fired, rightfully so. He should not be a police officer. He's a fucking asshole. Um, But that isn't. Once again, it's not those two polarities, right? The The issue underlying that entire situation is law enforcement is broken. Yes. Not that officer is doing something wrong or bad or that he stepped outside of the bounds of, you know, he, he didn't do anything. I shouldn't say he didn't do anything wrong. He did a lot of things that were wrong. Um, outside of what he's been trained to do. Is that what you mean? What the norm is and how you handle those situations as a police officer and what is quote unquote um, justified as a police officer. He was right in line. And that's a problem. That's a problem. Yeah. Massively. Massively, massively. Anyways, let's shift gears because it feels like a fucking under like overwhelming fucking it is overwhelming topic right it is overwhelming Mm -hmm. it's overwhelming and it's ongoing it's not stopping mostly it's for me i just want to highlight it's mental health okay right that's the issue it's mental health so if you're listening and you think it's another issue write us in let us know feel free to um engage and argue with us online Feel free to have an open conversation. (laughs) Feel free to have an open conversation. That's a much better way to say it. Um, But just fucking take a look at the idea that like, oh, maybe it is a mental health issue. Maybe people really need help and society is not helping them at all. So should we change gears, babe? Sure. We'll just go all over the... Do you want to go back to your first topic? Yeah. Let's go back to the Mormon Church, Mormon Stories Podcast. Okay. Right? That's a super smooth transition. Right. Seems like these two things definitely go within the same (laughs) context of the same episode. Money, power, and control. In some ways they do, right? Because there's people that have a sense of... benefiting the the white man. (laughs) (laughs) Um. But somebody that's indoctrinated into the church and into the religion, from now on, we're just going to, like, unless we reference a different religion, um, we're just going to be talking about the Mormon church to make it simple. Um, but you're indoctrinated into this system, taught that everything is this way, just like mm-hmm. law enforcement, right? Mm-hmm. And then eventually you see things differently and it shifts Hopefully. and changes your entire perspective, your identity and who you are as a person. So mm-hmm. it's a very big thing when somebody leaves the church. Or gets removed. 
or it gets removed, gets excommunicated, right? For Just having like having different beliefs, <laughs> for thinking that masturbation is not a sin, for being gay or supporting rights, for thinking that sex can be healthy and normal as opposed to a sin. Yeah. Abusing. Okay. I was about to keep going. I want to make sure that I am speaking through thought and I want to be active instead of reactive because like, that's one of the things that in a classic abusive situation that they do is when things come up and then you're reactive, then it discredits you because you're being emotional. You're unhinged. All of these things that show that you were wrong and they're right. So I want to be careful to, I feel that coming on and I think everybody has the right to be reactive to this because it's, also painful but i don't want to be reactive right now i want to be active so i have a better chance of being heard and other people have a better chance of being heard well tell your mormon story um that's not where i was gonna go where were you gonna I know go that's where you want to go i want to talk about um the mormon sex therapist that is on trial now by her previous i don't even remember what it's called she, from kansas that happens to be her soon-to-be ex-husband's former boss that all of these years have passed she's wrote blogs about how um, masturbation is not sinful that if you watch porn it does not mean that you are now a sex addict because you watched some porn and that um she is for homosexual marriage that this has passed it's been 10 years but now that she's going through a divorce suddenly he has a problem with it and now she's going on trial they're looking at removing her from the church excommunicating her because of her beliefs she has been a therapist and helping many mormons and non-mormons who go in and she is teaching them she's not saying whether or not they should leave the church or not but she is just giving them facts based evidence on sexual health and it happens to not align with the control of the Mormon church. I'm not going to go through and be like Latter-day Saints. Like I understand you can call it whatever I'm going to call it whatever I want Yeah, because it's just all, but she is, she's not leading people one way or the other. She was just like, here's this fact-based evidence. It is my ethical responsibilities to give you that not some church curtain and now she's looking at being removed from the church yeah because she's being honest she's being honest and she's not perpetrating perpetuate what's the fucking word perpetuating thank you the i don't know what kind of thank you that was um the shame and control that they have over people and how hard it is and now she's gonna be on trial to see if she's still worthy enough to be in the religion. It's asinine. That's, 
incredibly this is a recent episode of the mormon stories podcast so i haven't heard it i just saw the article it's in the washington post is it in the washington post washington post um it's episode 1420 her name's natasha helfer you can go find it the mormon stories podcast you can find everywhere um same thing like any podcast wherever you're listening to this podcast just search it out and you'll find it um but it's a recent episode i'm gonna go listen to that one yeah because i want to hear her i've listened to the first part of it so far yeah yeah haven't gotten in super deep into it yet, but I mean, it's not surprising, super common. It's, I know it's super common, but it's, I'm glad that this, there's a lot of noise coming from it. Yeah. I'm glad that it's getting this publicity because her message is getting out there. Yeah. The control of the church is still showing through and it is threatening others who might speak up that you can be at risk of being removed. But I feel like her message there is going to be louder than theirs because she's like, there is nothing wrong with this. There's nothing wrong with you as a person. You, there's nothing wrong with you. And there is another way to look at things. And so more people I think are going to hear that as opposed to the threats and the control and the weight that the church puts on people to conform and to lie. Yeah. It's one example of many examples of how broken I believe the church is and how damaging it is to people's lives, like just kind of across the board. And unfortunately, like I said, it's one of many examples, right? Um, give everybody just the briefest of your the experience. Briefest with the church i i get brief okay you, let you, me summarize mine you don't have to because do i'm a woman and <laughs> i need to keep it brief you definitely don't have to keep it brief you get to be as long as you want obviously it's okay oh let's see so my grand my mom was born into it very deep my grandparents were born into it great grandma sealed in the temple um my grandma sold in the temple. My grandpa is the one that baptized me. I was baptized because first of all, that's what you do. And then your family makes a big deal about it. Like here it comes, you're eight years old. Here's this big thing. Um, my mom, she was, she was outcasted for her sinly behaviors. And she did not agree with the church. However, she held on to more of the beliefs than she realized she did. She still was very much in line with, she was more accepting, but she was still very much, um, it still had a hold on her and it still had a hold on me. There were parts where, because I grew up in such a small town in Utah, and even though it was a a military base you would expect there was there were some other religions that came through but not really like you had different followings but it was still the mormons that like controlled everything it was it seemed like i always i didn't really get a fluctuation it was weird not weird but kind of i guess it was rare when somebody went to the catholic church that was there because that was just such not a thing and i think they had three different religions that held in that church but oddly enough, that church was allowed to be on the base, but the Mormon church wasn't. So that had to be built just directly off base. And everybody went there. I remember all the friends that stayed that wasn't in and out with the military was there in order to 
um, the, the part of the military base was, it was also civilian life as well. So you did have the fluctuating people moving in and out, but you also had your standard. There have people that I know that live there as civilians or, you know, my entire life. Um, it was very much led by that. You had <laughs> good Mormon girl is such a thing that is such an ingrained thing that you got to hang out. There was the groups, there was the, the good girls and there was the bad girls. And when I was little, I remember I tried to fit in. I wanted to go to church. I tried to fit in and my mom, I cannot blame her, did not want to go and did not take me. And I'm grateful. <laughs> um, but I still wanted to fit in and it was still, um, Oh, I'm supposed to make this short. Don't you're Dad. fine. Um, you no, don't no, have no, to no, make no. anything short. Um, I didn't fit in and it become more apparent. I tried and there was all these groups and things that would happen within the church. And if you were in the church, you got included in these play things, but I wasn't. Um, and that seemed to just really fit in the school. It was the church groups. Everybody kind of stuck together. And if you did things that were outside of the, the behaviors that were acceptable, meaning like if you swore, <laughs> like, <laughs> there was so much shame for that. And I held that too. Like a long time, we didn't let our kids, <laughs> you know, there's so much to go with that. Um, I feel like this, there's going to be a lot of unpacking here. So I will definitely try to I wish I could say more. You can. I, I really like, there's so much. I want to hear yours. Um, it was still held very deep and I knew that I wasn't welcome. I knew that I wasn't welcome and they would for a while, they would come when they would come collect the tidings. Um, I remember these blue envelopes that they would have and they would send people around. And that still happened when I was an adult in Tula. I haven't, nobody's shown up here with a blue envelope as far as I know. <laughs> so we haven't, but they would send their kids. So the little kids come to the door. So as adults, I remember my mom, you know, when you have these kids coming to the door to collect the money. So that's how the church gets it. Yeah. And so you're not going to say no to your, you know, six year old neighbor's kid who's exactly. coming up with her little blue envelope, <laughs> you know? Um, I, I wanted to belong because I wanted to belong to something, but it never felt right for me. So I would try and belong and I would be there and I wouldn't, and I would do things differently. I remember I had a friend invite me to mutual and that's the thing that they do out here. It was on Wednesdays and it's just to get women in line. It's young women's. And they also do it for young men's. And so that's how they start like prepping them. Are you going to be, um, are you going to hold the priesthood or are you going to be the one that bakes casseroles? Like this <laughs> is your list. Are you going to take care of the kids and support the men? Or are you going to be the ones that get to like hold power over everybody? You have to be worthy to hold the power. And if you're worthy, then you get to control everything and everybody caters to you. And if you're worthy enough, then you get to serve and you get to bring the casseroles and you need to keep the kids in line and report to your husband and be a good wife. So I went, I tried and it was very much, oh, I've said this before, but it stuck so hard because what are some of the things that you feel like you have I'm not I'm rambling. that stuck? I was, um, what are you doing here? 
what are you doing here? And you know, that can be uh, like when you see, like, what are you doing here? But it was so much everywhere I went, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? And finally it was like, I'm leaving. <laughs> so I started hitchhiking home from, it was like, it's only 10 miles, but it was a long straight road. From church. Mm-hmm. That was the last time I tried. Um, not being good. I'm not going to be able to get into this. There's, this is too deep to give a short story. Um, not being good enough, not fitting in, not going to go to heaven, deserving pain, deserving like whatever bad things happen. It's your punishment because you haven't been following the gospel. Um, the book of Mormon writing over the Bible. I no longer hold the Bible with anything, but I used to, and I could not understand why everything else was false. Anything that was written against the Bible was, um, anti except for the book of Mormon. It never felt right, but I really wanted it to feel right. Was it just that drive you think just so that you could fit in? So I could fit in so I could go to heaven so I could be with my family forever. So I could make my grandparents proud. So I can make my parents proud. I mean, I thought it was one of the biggest honors that it was my grandpa that baptized me. I mean, and for a long time, like I remember when I was younger, I thought I want to get, I want to be removed from the church. I want to like excommunicate myself, but I couldn't, I could not, that hold was so strong. I'm like, I don't want to lose that piece of my grandpa. He's the one. So that's our connection. And if I let this go, then I'm letting him go. And then I'm not going to see him when I die. I'm not going to see him. Um, having my grandparents, my Nana and my mom talked to me about getting the kids blessed and getting them like in the church because God doesn't see kids that aren't blessed. <laughs> right. But that fucking hit me. Cause then I was like, it messed me up inside. I was sitting here hitting. I'm like, this doesn't feel right. And then I finally gave to like, you can give them a blessing, but they can't be blessed. I didn't want them to be stuck in a situation. I always wanted them to be able to make their own decision. But then I was sitting here like pondering this, like, what if something happens? Is God not going to see my kids? Like it hits. So I realize how crazy that sounds, but it's not going to sound crazy to a lot of people that are probably being like, yeah, God doesn't see your kids. I'm not even going to touch that. Right. There's that, there's too much to unpack there, but it dictated so much on, um, my mom caught me masturbating as a kid and told me Jesus wouldn't like that. Like masturbation was wrong. Premarital sex was wrong. Impure thoughts was wrong. Wearing, um, wearing clothes that was like promiscuous. And by the way, like promiscuous was if you could see an inch above your kneecap, your shoulders are out, your cleat, like being any of that, you are asking for attention. You are asking for it. And you are like anything bad that in, I know that ties into rape culture, but it does. They're very much on that. There's, it impacted me so hard and in ways it still kind of does. And then I would see it changed as a parent when I was also in a very, like every, everywhere's a Mormon neighborhood in Utah. Um, my street was very, very active when the kids were growing up, they were very, very active. And my kids were, it changed. They were good enough to play with. 
except for on Sundays. They weren't allowed to play on Sundays. And that's because it's a church thing. However, there was always get togethers where all the church kids could play on Sundays, but my kids would be sent away and they would have their feelings hurt. That made me that made me a little crazy. I, loved that. I was like, I'm going to burn some shit down here. And then it, um, it kind of started to fade to where now it wasn't just on Sundays, but my kids couldn't be played with a lot. I would have Relief Society come over. I had a woman shame me very hard. She was like, this is what's going on at the church. You can bring your kids. And we're doing this thing. If you ever decide that you're going to go or take your kids, and it was just like, she said it with such attitude. It wasn't just one of those passing. She ended up breaking free of the church and her husband. And like, she just left it all. And then we saw each other one time at the store and she had nothing but shame in her eyes. Hmm. And it made me so sad. And it was like, she lost all her worth. She had all of her worth tied into that. Yeah, all that identity, huh? And I still have people that I care about right now in my life deeply. I have people that are questioning the church and there's so much that I want to share with them, but I don't want to, um, cause this is just a tiny little scratch of the surface. This is my short version. I don't want to, I don't want to pull them cause they've got to find their journey. This is a hard thing when they have been in the church forever. And when it feels like that is home, but things are off, I just, I'm here. It's like, I understand to a point I didn't grow up in to it, like the levels that they did, but look at the holds that it has on me. And I was distant. I was so distant. So I feel bad when they're doubting themselves as a human, when they are doubting themselves as a woman, when they feel like they're failing everything because they're starting to see things that don't add up. And so I can just be supportive. And then I have others that are very much like they are still, I know this church is true in there. And things will upset them and they feel they're less than for not being able to uphold all of these standards, but they don't even see it as a church thing. They're just like, I'm failing because of this and this and this. And to find that way to navigate, luckily you just have to listen. You know, I can just hear, but I'm seeing the way it is tormenting so many people in so many different ways. And they don't even see it at that point. They can't even see it because it's their failures is the only thing that they see. There's my brief. What's your brief moment story? You got 20 minutes to be brief. <laughs> It'll probably be something that we continue to talk about on the podcast for a while. One of the things, I mean, listening to this Mormon stories podcast and starting to think about what I mean, originally my story would have been born and raised in the church in the sense that like my mom was born in the same small town that we live in now. Uh, she was born and raised into an LDS family. Um, her mom was a convert, if I remember correctly. My grandpa went on a mission and then... He met my grandma at like a mission reunion party thing, and she just happened to be there. I don't know the whole story. Anyways, my grandmother was um, a convert to the church. And anyways, <laughs> it is too big to try to dissect 
in one little tiny episode. Um, but that originally would have been my story was my mom was LDS. My dad was Catholic. They met, they got married, started to raise us. And because we grew up in this small town where everybody was Mormon, um, we were as well. And we went to Mormon church. We never went to Catholic church. My dad would come to Mormon church with us. He would come to church with us. And originally the idea in my mind was, um, we went there because that's just what you did. And it was being part of the community. And we were heavily involved in scouting, uh, boy scouts and cub scouts. And that was also ingrained. They were one and the same, essentially, right? The church and scouting essentially interacted in the same. I mean, you, you didn't have one without the other. They were the same. So that's why we went to church. Um, we weren't practicing outside of church. We basically put on dress clothes on Sundays, went to church, came home and took them off. And that was it. Um, and originally that was my story in my mind. And that's kind of what I had carried for a really long time was that it wasn't that big of a deal. I grew up in this town. I, everybody that I grew up with was Mormon and, um, all my friends, all those social circles that I hung out with, uh, we stopped going to church when I was probably nine or 10 years old. I was baptized by my grandpa as well. Um, I remember trying to really believe the church, believe the teachings and the doctrine of the church when I was uh, 14, going into high school and went to seminary. Seminary is like, I don't know how you would describe it. It's like uh, here in Utah, in a lot of places here in Utah, they just incorporated into school. So it's a period that you would basically go and it's church teachings. Um, so it's like Mormon school <laughs> for a period. Um, but I went to seminary for like a semester and tried really hard to, I wanted to believe because I, I think I was looking for that avenue of fitting in even more so a lot of the things that were happening in my life during that time period were leaving me like that was the same time period that my parents got divorced and like my oldest brother had moved out and gone to college. Brian was, you know, like a senior or something like that, junior or senior in high school. So I was really looking for a place to fit and hoping that that was going to be it. And it wasn't. Um, but then it basically didn't really play a role in my life outside of that. That would have been my story. Okay. And that was my story for a really long time. And I really just looked past everything. Um, I didn't really care <sighs> about the church. I didn't care about what, you know, I just accepted the fact that it was a thing here in Utah. Mm -hmm. And because I've lived here in Utah my whole life, essentially, um, it's just kind of the way it is. There's not a lot you can do about it, right? Just kind of the way that it is. Uh -huh. It's heavily incorporated into our politics, into our government, essentially every aspect of life in one way, shape or form, um, is influenced by the church here in the state. Mm -hmm. But that necessarily wasn't an issue for me. That didn't bother me. That wasn't something that I felt like I just didn't care and didn't really look at it. <clears throat> and then recently in listening to this 
Mormon Stories podcast and hearing some of these stories and really just starting to go back and look at how much of an impact the religion had on my entire life in so many different regards, right? Not the defining characteristics of things and not the defining factors, but such a heavy influence on so many different things. And, um, and you and I've talked about this a little bit, but there's, I mean, the, the list is endless, all of the shame because of actions and behaviors. And I think we used to joke in my family that we were just like poor white trash from center street. And I mean, we weren't poor, but we were low income, right? Kind of, but at the same time, like, um, what I'm getting at is I think we used to joke about it as a family, but I think, cause there was a part of it too, that we, I never felt like our family was accepted by the community and I never felt accepted by all of those groups. And I always felt like an outsider, but yet everything that we did had some connection to the church in some way, shape or form, even if it wasn't a church activity in a sense, first and foremost, like I said, scouting was a very big part of my upbringing in my family because we were heavily involved in it and all of that was church related stuff. So at the church, um, for scout meetings, pack meetings, um, ceremonies, all that kind of stuff, all of that stuff took place at the church. Um, everybody else that was in scouting with us was Mormon and was part of the church. But I think that they never, it feels like they never accepted our family and our family was always kind of like the black sheep in a sense. And that I carried that in regards to, um, my friendships with all of these other kids, my age who were the same thing, heavily involved in the church, all LDS and never feeling like I really belonged and that I was always judged and having to just kind of accept that and still move on because I wanted to still be friends with these people. And like that dynamic of even my closest friends, even like my, my best friends growing up, all of them were Mormon. And I felt like all of them, meaning like their families and their parents and in some way, shape or form them as individuals as well, judged me for not being. So there was always some level of judgment that existed, um, because I was not. And so I had to figure out a way to internalize that without letting it affect me so that I can continue to have friends and hang out with these guys that I was hanging out with. And that was like my entire life. That was from like as early as you start hanging out with friends at school all the way up until you graduate from high school. <laughs> and it's all the same group of people because it's the small town. Mm -hmm. So there was never any, like I can sit here as I'm bringing this up and talking about just this dynamic, I can think about time and 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 time, and time again, 
where I have all of these moments of recognition of when I felt that judgment, mm-hmm. right? When I went into a situation and there was a part of myself that would forget about it and wouldn't look at it and wouldn't worry about it. Like if it was me and my buddies out riding bikes around town and messing around, for the most part, it wasn't there, right? Every now and then it would pop up, but it wasn't a big deal. But then like going back to their houses or a birthday party or do you know what I mean? Some event or scouting thing, then suddenly it's all there. And they fall in line with the norm Mm -hmm. and then I get it from them as well. So I get it from my closest friends, from the people that I love and care about and that I'm spending all of my time with as a kid, still getting that judgment and that's, you know, I mean, there's only one way that it feels. It feels like you're being looked down upon. Like Mm -hmm. it feels like, and I know that they would articulate it differently. I know that they all have different justifications. And I know the church as a whole has a, you know, like their whole idea that they're just trying to provide this beautiful religion to the world and they want everybody to come into the fold because it's, you know, you go. They want everybody to make it to the celestial kingdom. Yeah. Like I know that they have an, uh, a way of justifying it, but the way it manifests in action and behavior, if you're on the outside of it, is fucking judgment. <laughs> and it makes you feel like shit. And I had to internalize all of that so that I could still kind of exist in the same social groups that I was in. And the alternative, and once I got into high school, I discovered the alternative because I started to spend time with kids who weren't LDS because all of my buddies, you know, we grew up a little bit and in high school, they started to separate and spend time with other people. And then it was suddenly like I needed somebody to hang out with. And I started to hang out with the bad kids or the bad crowd, even though they weren't Mm -hmm. totally fucking normal kids. Mm -hmm. And, um, that was an interesting thing to not have that, have that judgment present in those experiences. And then the other thing that, I mean, that not the other thing, the endless list of things that we could talk about, but how I would also carry that judgment and inflict it on other people mm-hmm. where I would judge people who weren't Mormon. Keep in mind, not active, right? Mm-hmm. We're not going to church, not fucking Mormon. But yeah, I would look down on people and judge them because they weren't um, abiding by that same moral standard that the church upholds and that their members follow. So that's just, I mean, that alone, that simple dynamic of we weren't active, we weren't part of the church, we stopped going to church, we never really were um, religious, and then being heavily ingrained into the culture and into the society and always feeling that um, always carrying that weight of being judged and being looked down upon that alone I believe obviously (laughs) not a big shocker has massive impact and influenced me massively and I've only just now started to look at that. Yeah. Only just now started to kind of pick that apart and figure that out. Not too long ago, you said something during a podcast where you weren't really affected by it. And I was just like, 
(laughs) (laughs) I remember when we, um, when you and I moved in together and we moved to this town and you had such an issue with the way that kids would be treated. And I remember Gwen and Maddie going to school and complaining about things. And I remember thinking, um, yeah, that sucks, but it's fine. Just deal with it. And not in like a mean way, just in a, because I had just come to terms with all of it. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, it's not that big of a deal. Yes, they're going to behave that way. You know, it's not as bad as you think it is. They're really good people. And they are, right? Mm -hmm. They are. It's not to say that Mormons are evil. It's not to say that the people in this community, uh, you know, my friends, their parents, this, you know, I still go down to fucking the grocery store in this town and see people that knew me from when I was a kid, see adults that knew me from when I was good people. Um, but the culture, the culture and the mentality and the teachings and the way that it manifests, that is fucking terrible mm-hmm. and so toxic and so detrimental and they don't see it. And that's just one tiny aspect of what that culture is. And by that culture, I mean the Mormon church, the culture mm-hmm. and the teachings and the, the, that culture itself has so many toxic things about it. And that's just one that they... I don't feel like would ever really see or have a grasp of, right? Could never really conceptually understand. And instead it's just in their minds probably processed a lot as far as like sympathy and pity and a nice thing that we're doing, allowing Craig to still be in our home and we're going to have, you know, yes, he can eat dinner with us and we're going to say the prayer and we're going to try to incorporate, you know, we're going to invite him to come to these uh, church events and because we're being nice and we've got sympathy for them. It doesn't feel like that (laughs) when you're on the receiving end of it. No. It feels quite a bit different. So there's lots of different ways that I believe the church has influenced and affected my life, affected our life, our children's lives. And there's more, right? Like you said, this is a big topic that we could unpick and unpack for quite a while there's a conversation that keeps happening between asher and i right now of how it's affecting him is he has some friends that aren't mormon Mm -hmm. and he has some friends that he cares a lot about that are mormon yeah and he is like like but they're like if I know their parents he's like please don't tell them this about me like mm-hmm. he's asking me he has to ask his mom and to think this isn't going to have some effect from him in the future to please not um, be herself to please not show these sides of her to them because they're Mormon and then he won't be able to hang out with his friend anymore because the parents will no longer they will judge him because of who I am and not let him hang out Yeah, and like he has to say that to me and, th- you know, there's this this part where I want to teach him to be him and like, you don't have to hide who you are for anybody, but I know how painful that is. So it's like, of course, but there's always the chance, like they're going to listen to this podcast and they're going to hear that. And then he's going to lose somebody that he cares deeply about because we don't fit that mold. And you can kind of not fit that mold safely. Yeah. Like you can be that to where you are, like you said, the pity, the project, the where 
they're going to like you anyways. You still get to hang out because, but then there comes that point where if you just don't fall in line enough, then you are toxic. You're not allowed around them. You're not there. The church has so many stipulations, like we mentioned earlier on like, like God forbid they find out I masturbate. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's the easiest of my sins. (laughs) Sometimes we masturbate while we're drinking alcohol (laughs) at the same time. (laughs) It's a mutual masturbation (laughs) with all the beer. (laughs) So it's just, it is still painful and it is still causing pain. And there's still things that we are participating in because that's the culture. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, you know, we still live in this town. We still live in this town. We still live in this town that I grew up in that is a hundred percent predominantly LDS. And there's a church, you know, within, you can throw one, you can stand in front of one church and throw a rock and hit another church. There's so many churches in this town. Yeah. <laughs> so many. And it's a small town. It's a small town. Um, we got one stoplight here. <laughs> <laughs> we do only have one stoplight. <laughs> We need a couple more, but we only have one. Um, Imagine if we had as many stoplights as we did Mormon churches in this town. Couldn't get anywhere. (laughs) We'd have one in front of our driveway to get out of our house. Uh, I think we'll talk more about this. I think it's going to be an ongoing thing. Like I said, I've been binging Mormon Stories podcast. I can't recommend it enough. Um, Hopefully we can find some people to come on and share their story a little bit and talk about, you know, regardless of whether or not you were born and raised in the church or I'd love to, I've got a couple of people that I would love to come and share their story because they've left the church. Mm -hmm. And so if you're listening to this and you've left the church (laughs) because of one reason or another, right? There's a long list of why I think people leave the church or potentially leave the church. But if you have, please uh, reach out because we'd love to chat with you and have you on the podcast. And um, I just find it really, really fascinating so we'll definitely do some more uh, episodes talking about this. Is there anything else you want to close out with, babe? No. You good? Yes. Okay. Never actually, forget. Actually, what did you have? Like, a... There's a lot more that we'll talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? If if you want to, I do. There's a lot of things. Never forget what we're going to Start keeping a list because it's something that we'll keep talking about. I don't. I either go crazy with the list and I overlist. And then it's a thing and I have to have it indented right and bulletined and number and like where I'm going or I don't do the list. So what do you Let's want? Let's find a happy medium. Would that be easy? How about you just jot stuff down? Okay. Just I, little reminders. Just little re- and where? Which form? Because then I have to organize that or not do it. We'll figure this out, folks. Emily. <laughs> <laughs> um, Friday night on Instagram, we do Instagram live. Come join us. It's fun. We've only done one. It was still fun. Well, by the time this comes out, we will have done more. It's more. What is it for? I mean, it'll be Monday. It's Monday. <laughs> wink, wink. Um, and enjoy your week. Enjoy your week. I don't know. When in doubt. <gasps> Spread the cookie out. So I was really looking for a place to fit and hoping that that was going to be it. We just call him TN for short. I'm a woman. Money, power, and control. That'd be fun. It would be fun. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. Okay.